This is the Gathering Ottawa's Message Podcast, and we've got another great message for you. For information about us, check out thegatheringottawa.com. To get connected, email info at thegatheringottawa.com. And just know that at The Gathering, we exist to connect people to the love of Jesus. So let's get right to it. Mary, the story of Mary, the mother of Jesus. Last week, if you were with us, we looked at Joseph's story and the tough assignment that God assigned to Joseph as Jesus' earthly father, taking a pregnant Mary to be his wife at great cost to himself. Right? We don't read about that in Matthew's gospel, but no doubt it cost Matthew, or cost Joseph rather greatly. Socially, he would have been ostracized, shunned, probably in his business he lost. It was very costly for him to take Mary as his wife, but he did it anyway. It's a tough assignment from God. This morning, I want to take a few moments to reflect on Mary's story as well, and the even tougher assignment that God had for her, this 13 or 14, maybe 15-year-old girl who was called by God to carry the Son of God in her womb and to be the mother of God, if you will. It's a lot to ask, right, of anyone, but especially someone so young, someone so inexperienced, someone so immature, first-time mother, never done this before, young girl, it's a lot. A lot to ask of anybody, especially a teenage girl. And yet she did it, and she did it with great gladness and great joy. And so this morning, as we look at Mary's story, I want to encourage you to ask yourself a question. I want us to ask ourselves this question. You'll see it on the screen here. It's this question. What can we learn from Mary about obedience, faithfulness to God, when we find ourselves in the midst of a really tough assignment from God. You find yourself ever with a tough assignment from God in your marriage, perhaps, or as a parent, or at work, or at school? What can we learn about faithfulness to God when we find ourselves in a really tough assignment from God? What can Mary teach us about staying true and faithful and committed to God's call on our lives, even when life doesn't make all that much sense? If you have your Bibles, if they're not already open, we'd encourage you to open them with me to Luke chapter 1, and we're going to look at this passage that was just read for us here this morning. We're jumping right in. At verse 30, we see the angel Gabriel saying this to Mary. Gabriel says, don't be afraid, Mary. I, I love that. Anytime you see an angel appear to people in the scriptures, what do they say? Don't be afraid. Don't freak out. Why do you think they had to say that? Because people were freaking out. There's an angel here. What's going to happen? It'd be a very scary thing to stand before an angel. Gabriel says, don't, don't be afraid, Mary. For you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever and his kingdom will never end. Or in other words, basically, Mary, God has chosen you 
to be the mother of God. It's basically what this angel said to Mary here, right? That God was calling Mary, again, this 13, 14, 15-year-old girl from a small Judean town called Nazareth, which was basically Nowhereville, Israel. He's calling her to be the mother of God, to supernaturally carry the Son of God in her womb and then to raise him as her son. Like, talk about a tough assignment from God, right? It doesn't get much more difficult than this or much more important than this right here. It it begs the question, I think, as we think of Mary, it begs the question, why, right? Like, why Mary? Why did God choose Mary of all people? Like, of all the women and virgins at that time in the world, all the prospective mothers that God could have chosen in all of Israel, Why on earth did God choose this young, teenage, virgin girl from Nowhereville, Israel, to be the mother of God? Why did God choose Mary? Was it because, perhaps, of her impeccable health, right? Was it that God knew that she would eat well during pregnancy, that she would take her prenatal vitamins and avoid alcohol and get good sleep? (laughs) I don't think so. Or was it because maybe she came from this really important, wealthy, great family there in Nazareth? No, I don't think that's the case either. We actually don't know much about Mary's family. The Bible doesn't tell us much about them, but it's believed that they were not all that wealthy. In fact, they probably were quite poor, having lived in Nazareth, blue-collar family. There, There was probably not really anything all that special about Mary's family, so it wasn't that either. And said, you know, what it, you know what it was? You know why God chose Mary? Well, we see the answer right here in the text. In verse 30, as Gabriel says to Mary, for you have found favor with God. For you have found favor with God. That, that's why God chose her, because God found favor with her. Now, what does this mean for God to have found favor with Mary. Well, I'll, I'll tell you first a couple things that it doesn't mean, because some of us, I think, get tripped up on these things. First, it doesn't mean that Mary was sinless, or that Mary was perfect, or that she was some saint, even, as some might suggest about Mary. In fact, there's only one who lived a perfect, sinless, saintless, or saint-like life, I should say, and that person is Jesus, not Mary, no one else. So it's not that she was perfect or sinless. It also doesn't mean that God liked or loved Mary more than he liked or loved any other potential mother out there. God does not show favoritism, so it's not like he just was preferential towards her. Instead, do you know what it means, I think, for God to have found favor with Mary? It means that for some reason, or reasons that we just can't know, God, in looking at her heart, he knew that he could trust her. He knew that he could trust her because ultimately that's what the favor of God is, is when God, in knowing our hearts, trusts us enough to entrust us with important tasks, blessing us with a high calling from heaven, with tough and important assignments and tasks, and responsibilities, just like he did here with Mary. 
God knew in looking at her heart that he could trust her enough to entrust her with an important and difficult assignment. We, we see this all throughout Scripture, not just with Mary. There are, there are certain things that God entrusts to certain people because he trusts them more than he does with other people about those certain things. Because he knows their hearts and he knows what's going on underneath the surface with them. There's this great verse in Second Chronicles uh, 16, verse 9. I, I referenced this briefly last week. Where in the old King James, it says that the eyes of the Lord search to and fro. It's always looking. The eyes of the Lord search to and fro, searching for those whose hearts are fully his. Or in other words, God is constantly on the lookout, constantly looking, searching, and seeking after men and women and boys and girls whose hearts fully belong to him. People who are all out committed to following and obeying him, no matter the cost, saying yes to God, no matter the cost. He's looking for people like Mary, imperfect people that he knows he can trust with tough assignments because he knows that their hearts, our hearts, fully belong to him. And we're just going to say yes to whatever it is that he calls us to do. So question for us as we think about Mary. Are you like Mary? You'll get there. Are you like Mary? Are, are we like Mary? Am I like Mary as God searches, as he looks to and fro for people whose hearts are fully his, people who he can trust? Will he find you and will he find me? Well, fast forward now to verse 38 and to the end of Mary's story, or at least this part of the story, or after responding to the angel by asking an honest question, right? How can this be? Since I'm a virgin, Mary asked Gabriel. Remember, she's in this betrothal period with Joseph. We talked about that last week. They're married kind of, but not living together as husband and wife. She's still a virgin. After Gabriel explains to her how all this would take place, that the Holy Spirit would come upon her and the son inside of her womb would be conceived to her of the Holy Spirit, he would be the son of God. After Gabriel explains all of this, Mary then responds with these amazing words in verse 38. She says, I am the Lord's servant. I am the Lord's servant. May everything that you've said come true. It's an incredible response from Mary, isn't it? Notice she doesn't ask here, well, what, about, what about this detail what about that detail? Uh, where am I going to give birth? How is this whole thing going to work? And what are people going to say about me? They will think that I've, you know, been a sinful person or something like this. Uh, what's in it for me? How are you going to bless me through all of this? What's going to happen with, with Joseph? Is he going to believe that the Holy Spirit's the one who conceived a child inside of me? She doesn't ask those questions, and neither does she freak out or panic like some of us probably would. Instead, she just simply says, yes, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And in saying yes, Mary had to know that this was going to cost her. Right? And it was going to cost her dearly. 
She had to know that it could have cost her her relationship with Joseph, right? That it could have cost her relationship with her, her family in that context, and it could have cost her family's reputation and Joseph's reputation and his family's reputation. It could cost her relationships with her community and her hopes and plans for a quote-unquote normal life. She had to know as well that this could even maybe cost her her life because the cost of getting pregnant out of wedlock was capital punishment, execution in this culture. Mary had to know how costly this whole thing would be for her, and yet she said yes anyway, saying, I am the Lord's servant. Or or in other words, my life is not my own. That's what she's saying. My life is not mine. It does not belong to me. If, If this is what God wants for me, then so be it. That's Mary. Obedient to God no matter the cost, as God knew that he could trust her, this teenage girl, with a really tough assignment. So then, as we consider Mary's story, what do we do with her story? Remember the question I asked earlier? What can we learn from Mary about obedience to God when we find ourselves in the midst of a really tough assignment from God? Three quick reflections coming out of Mary's story. There's much more that could be said, but just three things for us to reflect on briefly here this morning. The first reflection is this. It's that no one is ever too young or too old to be used by God. No one is ever too young or too old to be used by God. Mary here, she's a young girl, like maybe 13, 14, 15, and yet God chose her not some boring grown-up, am I right? God chose a young teenage girl to bring Jesus into the world through her. And while, of course, that's, that's never going to happen again, no one here is ever going to get to do what Mary got to do, while that's true, it does speak, I think, to the reality that God wants to use you to accomplish his purposes in the world no matter how old you are. If you're a kid here, you're young, you think that you're too young to be used by God, that your life doesn't matter yet, you got to wait till you grow up to be used by God and do significant things for him, that is not true. If you're a young person in our room, I want you to hear this. You're not just a kid. You don't have to wait till you're grown up for God to use you. In fact, sometimes when you become a grown up, you end up thinking God can't use you anymore because now you got to pay the bills and, you know, worry about your life and do all those kinds of things. And you lose sight sometimes as you get older. But what really matters, when you're a kid, you've got a unique perspective on life, an optimism, a hope that sometimes us grown-ups don't always have. You're never too young to be used by God in spectacular ways, just like Mary was. Reminded here of Paul's words to his protege, Timothy, a young pastor. In 1 Timothy 4, verse 12, the Apostle Paul says this to him. He says, don't let anyone, I want you to hear this, kids, don't let anyone think less of you because you are young. Be an example to all the believers in what you say and in the way that you live, in your love, your faith, and your purity. 
You know, as much as we as adult, adults, grown-ups, think that we got to be good examples to you, young kids, you get to be good examples to us too. You get to show us how to have faith in God and how to be holy, how to be pure, how to live a life of love and faith and purity, as the Apostle Paul says here. Don't wait till you're grown up to think that you can be used by God. Because no one's too young to ever be used by God. And no one's too old either. So for all you gray hairs out there, and I'm quickly joining you, (laughs) this passage in Luke 1 There's another story that we didn't read, but you know who else was talked about in Luke 1? Zechariah and Elizabeth, John the Baptist's parents, who who they thought they were too old to be used by God, too old to conceive a child at that point in time. A, A couple who thought that their days were numbered, their days were done, and yet God chose them to give birth to John the Baptist, the forerunner to Christ, showing us that no one is ever too young or too old to be used by God. I don't care if you're older and grumpy and, you know, you see the world in a half-glass-full kind of way. No. God has a plan for you, too. No one's ever too young or too old to be used by God. It's the first reflection. Second reflection is this. It's that our response to God's call, our proper response to God's call in life, is to say what Mary said. It's to say, we are the Lord's servants. When God calls We say yes. I am the Lord's servant. Whatever you are calling me to do, I will do because my life is not my own. It has been bought with a high price, the blood of Christ. My life belongs to Jesus. I am the Lord's servant. Remember that scripture from 2 Chronicles that God is looking to and fro, searching the globe, the world, for people whose hearts are fully his. And when God saw Mary, he saw a young woman that he could trust with an exceptionally difficult assignment. But what will he see when he looks at our hearts? People whose hearts fully belong to him, people that he can trust with difficult assignments. Well, like Mary, when God calls us to something, when he gives us a tough assignment, we too can pray, I am the Lord's servant. Whatever you're calling me to do, I will do. My life belongs to you. Third and final reflection here is that God is always at work in the tough assignments of life. You might feel overwhelmed, overburdened by some of the difficult realities and assignments that you're facing in life, and yet, just like with Mary, she had a tough assignment from God, God is always at work. And ultimately, what he's trying to do through the tough assignments of life is he's trying to, I believe, point us to Jesus. Just like he was for Mary. As Mary, the mother of God, gave birth to Jesus, the one through whom life and freedom and salvation was brought into the world through her tough assignment. It wasn't even about her. It was about Jesus. And it's true in our stories, too. The tough assignments, the difficulties we face in life are not about us. They're about helping us see Jesus in our lives and to experience his life and his freedom, what it is that he went to the cross and rose again for us to experience, salvation, freedom, life in him. And so for us, it's important to know that the storms of life, the tough assignments we find ourselves in, they are not the end or the whole of the story. 
As we commit to remaining faithful to God, we will see God do amazing things as he turns our hearts and minds to Jesus through the difficulties of life. Well, as we wrap up, I'm going to invite the band up. We're going to sing another carol or two. But as we wrap up, I want to read Mary's Magnificat, this song of praise. We read some of it earlier as part of our call to worship, but I want to read this prayer, this song of praise that Mary sang, that Mary prayed in response to this incredible call of God on her life. And as I read this, what I want to encourage you to do, young and old, is to just press pause, maybe on your coloring, if you're able to focus, or on your scrolling on Facebook, if you're able to focus. Close your eyes and just be ready to receive. Think about these words, this incredible prayer, song of Mary, song of praise to God. Maybe we can join her in praying this prayer as well. From Luke 1, starting at verse 46, Mary responded, Oh, how my soul praises the Lord. How my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. For he took notice of this lowly servant girl. And from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one is holy, and he has done great things for me. He shows mercy from generation to generation to all who fear him. His mighty arm has done tremendous things. He has scattered the proud and the haughty ones. He has brought down princes from their thrones and exalted the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away with empty hands. He has helped his servant Israel remember to be merciful, for he made this promise to our ancestors, to Abraham and his children, forever. Let's pray. Well, God, we thank you for Mary's example. There's so much to learn from her story. We thank you, most importantly, Jesus, for coming into the world through Mary. The story here of Christmas is not really about Mary or about Joseph. It's about Jesus, the one who came into the world through Mary to bring about redemption and healing and forgiveness of sin. But God, as we consider Mary this morning, and we we even think of this song of praise that she sang in response to this incredibly difficult assignment, pray that you would attune our hearts in such a way as well, that you would help us when we are going through difficulties in life, when we are struggling, when life doesn't make sense, to praise you in the midst of it, to thank you for your faithfulness to us in the midst of the question marks of life. Because... You are our only hope. You are the only one who can lead and guide us through life's uncertainties. And so we look to you and we long to, in some ways, be like Mary, to be someone that you can trust with tough assignments, tough callings from heaven. We thank you for that first holy night that you came and Lord Jesus was born into our world to bring about your freedom, salvation, forgiveness of sin. Pray that this story would continue to mark and to change us, to make us people who follow after God's heart more and more each Christmas. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thanks for 
tuning in. We're back next week with another great message. Don't forget to check out our website, thegatheringottawa.com, and tune in next week to The Gathering Ottawa's Message Podcast.